Welcome to Room 106. I'm Richard Garlick from Planning Magazine. And I'm John Gagan, also from Planning Magazine. Every fortnight we enter Room 106, the den of discomfort into which all new planning information is deposited, and extract the key things you need to know. A developer has withdrawn a 200-home reserved matters application that Housing Secretary Michael Gove had called in on design grounds. We'll discuss what that tells us about the Housing Secretary's approach to design. Two new council administrations have paused plans and projects following the local elections last month. We'll find out what's going on. The government has promised to consult on making it easier to convert what they call redundant agricultural buildings into homes and on changing permitted development rules to support farm diversification. We'll explore the implications. We'll also round up some of the other big news stories of the past fortnight, including Jeremy Clarkson's planning appeal verdict. By the end of the show, you'll be able to face questions from a client or chief executive with equanimity. So, ready to go in? I guess so. Well, here we are again in room 106. It's as grim looking as ever. Yes, let's see if we can find some friendly faces. Well, the first person I'm going to turn to is our online editor, Toby Porter, to update us on the Michael Gove intervention, a new intervention on design grounds, and the, uh, the ensuing uh, w- withdrawal of an application. Toby, give us a, a little bit of the background on that. AC Lloyd Holmes submitted an application to Warwick District Council in February last year, proposing new housing on agricultural land in the town of Whitnash, uh, Lamington Spa. The application sought reserve matters approval relating to appearance, landscaping, layout and scale for the 200 homes. An outline application for the Warwickshire scheme was allowed on appeal in August 2021 after the council refused it. Despite the site being allocated in the council's 2017 local plan for up to 500 homes, the council was ordered to pay the developer's costs for unreasonable behaviour after it withdrew its reasons for opposing the appeal. Council's planning committee resolved to approve the reserve matters application last December following recommendation of officers. However, final permission had not been signed off. So why did uh, Michael Gove call it in and uh, when did he do it? Well, the Housing Secretary wrote to AC Lloyd Holmes last month to confirm the call-in of its application and Gove's letter last month signed by a casework officer, Andrew Lynch, on behalf of Gove from the uh, Department of Levelling Up Housing and Communities and sent his letter both to AC Lloyd Holmes, who are Warwickshire-based, and their agents, Delta Planning. The scheme's design was cited in two of the three specific factors that Gove said he would ask the government planning inspector to look at. The matters which he particularly wishes to be informed about, the letter said, include firstly, whether it is consistent with government policies for achieving well-designed places as set out in the National Planning Policy Framework, Chapter 12, and secondly, whether it is consistent with the guidance on design set out in the National Design Guide 2021 and the National Model Design Code, also 2021. Secretary of State will also decide whether it's consistent with development plan for the area, the letter says. So design was clearly a big factor in Gove's decision to call it in. 
he cited design as a factor in refusing a big housing scheme recently, didn't he? Yeah, Gove's decision to call in the application comes after the contra- another controversial decision on his behalf in April to refuse a major housing scheme in Kent. This one was against an inspector's recommendation. In April, Housing Minister Rachel McLean, on Gove's behalf, cited design as a factor in refusing a 165-dwelling plan from Barclay Homes in Cranbrook in Kent. Gove, by the way, has since written to the firm to say he will ask the courts to quash this original decision so he can make a new decision which omits the housing land supply grounds he originally listed. Gove did warn us about design. Speaking at a conference hosted by the Free Market Centre for Policy Studies think tank in November last year, he criticised builders for designing identikit homes that can be out of character with local area. Many house builders are using a restrictive pattern book with poor quality materials, he claimed, and the aesthetic quality of what they produce is both disappointing and also not in keeping with the high aesthetic standards that may already exist. And he warned, we will use all the powers we have to make sure that developments which are not aesthetically of high quality don't go ahead. Okay, so we're beginning to see few cases of Michael Gove following through on this promise that he would treat design as a serious factor in his Secretary of State decisions. How has the developer in this latest case reacted to what Gove did in calling in the scheme? Well, in this case, according to the council's planning portal, the application was withdrawn June the 8th. And we don't really know the reasons why. We have asked AC Lloyd Homes and Delta Planning, their agents, and the company said it did not wish to comment. So we're none the wiser. Warwick District Council also declined to comment. Okay, well, thank you very much, Toby. And more details of that can be found on planningresource.co.uk. And look forward to seeing you in Room 106 again soon. Thanks, Richard. Okay, well, now we need to find Sam to discover a bit more about this DEFRA policy paper on rural planning. But while we're doing that, John, can I turn to you and ask you for a bit more information about the two new council administrations who, following the local elections, put a halt on a development plan and a development project, if I'm understanding correctly. But what's happened there? So firstly, Tewkesbury Council in Gloucestershire, which changed from a Conservative to a Liberal Democrat-led administration, has announced what it calls a temporary pause to plans for a 10,000-home garden town. And secondly, councillors at Spelthorne Borough Council in Surrey, which is led by an independent Lib Dem coalition, have voted to ask the planning inspectorate for a three-month delay to the ongoing examination of its local plan to allow new elected members to fully understand the plan's proposals. What exactly is it that Tewkesbury Council has done and, and what's the project that's concerned? Well, the project is Tewkesbury Garden Town, which was awarded Garden Town status by the government back in 2019 and aims to provide almost 10,200 homes and over 100 hectares of employment land on a site near the uh, town centre. So, it's a, yeah, we're talking about a very big project. And it's been taken forward through a review of a joint call strategy 
covering Tewkesbury as well as neighbouring Gloucester City and Cheltenham Borough. But last month, the local elections saw the Conservatives lose overall control of Tewkesbury Council and the Lib Dems and independent candidates and the Green Party picked up seats. So the council has no party in overall control, but the new administration is being led by the Liberal Democrats. And the new leader, a Liberal Democrat, Richard Stanley, uh, once he was installed, announced that he was listening to residents and that was why the new administration was pausing the Tewkesbury Garden Town programme, pending the outcome of a full external review. He said that if the Garden Town project is to succeed, it must be done in partnership with surrounding communities and local parish councils. The council issued a statement that said the findings of this review are expected within a matter of weeks and will be shared with a wider community alongside a clear direction on the next steps for Garden Town, including how local residents and businesses can get involved. What about Spellthorn Council? What's happened there? So the council had held an extraordinary meeting earlier this month and members voted to ask the planning inspector examining the plan to pause the examination hearings for three months. So the plan, as I said, is is currently undergoing examination. It proposes delivering just over 9,000 homes between 2022 and 2037 and releasing about 25 hectares of greenbelt land. According to the motion that was passed by the council, the pause is to allow time for the new council to understand and review the policies and implications of the local plan. And after the three-month pause, the council will decide what actions may be necessary before the examination may proceed. So again, this is another authority where there's been a change in control. Before the local elections, it was in fact under no overall control, but it was led by the Conservatives, who had been in control, but they lost their majority in 2020. They lost 11 seats in the local elections this year, and they now have an independent councillor who's as the new leader and a Liberal Democrat as the deputy leader. The new leader, Joanne Sexton, told the council meeting that all the newly elected councillors, and there's 22 of them, must be up to speed on all aspects of the local plan. So she was proposing a vote for a pause to enable everyone to fully digest all available information before reaching a decision. Okay, and um, have any concerns been raised locally about these decisions? Yes, they have. So in Tewkesbury, according to local media reports, opposition Conservative councillors have expressed concerns that any delays to the Garden Town project could affect the council's housing land supply position. As we know, this is a very hot issue across England. But after the review was announced, the council issued a further statement claiming that the borough's housing land supply position will not be impacted by the decision to review the Garden Town project. And the concerns that were being raised were, in its words, inaccurate and misleading. They said that the Garden Town would not contribute to the council's five-year housing land supply because it is a longer-term project that won't be delivered in the next five years, so any temporary pause will have no impact. Just to explain, as our listeners would would know, being good planners, that if a council doesn't have a can't demonstrate a five year um, supply of deliverable housing sites, then its housing supply policies are rendered out of date, which which makes it vulnerable to speculative applications. The council chief executive also issued a statement of reassurance, saying that the. The review was best practice for such a major programme 
and the temporary pause would not lead to a setback in the programme. Meanwhile, in Spelthorn, the former council leader and the Conservative group leader said the motion to pause the plans examination was not necessary. And he said there was more than enough time to train new councillors. He raised concerns that some parts of the borough might be at higher risk of speculative development. As a result, he said this will send a very clear message to developers to submit applications for developments within Spellthorn. And he said it will come back to haunt us. And what do we know about other areas that have done something similar in terms of putting a hold on um, development plans? So these two areas are, in addition to 11 English councils, which are nearly all in the wider southeast, that we've already highlighted where changes in control at the May local elections has led to a change in approach to local planning by the incoming administrations. And that has usually involved promises to change an emerging local plan. And we've also got the backdrop of continuing local plan delays across England. So according to our latest research, a total of 26 local planning authorities have paused or delayed work on their local plans in the past six months. And that's since the government promised in December to introduce what it called new flexibilities in the way that councils apply their local housing need figures. And our research also suggests that as many as 56 authorities may have withdrawn, paused or delayed their plans since September 2021, though at least some of these have since resumed work. Yes, and indeed we saw um, Aaron District Council vote to resume work on its local plan earlier this month, I think. Yes, that's right. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, John. I think as we've been trudging through the catacomb, I think I can see a, uh, a figure approaching now. Yes, it's Sam. Hi, Sam. Hi, Richard. Great to see you uh, down here in the uh, in the DEFRA uh, policy paper section. You've been looking at this latest uh, DEFRA policy paper, which includes some proposals for rural planners, including the potential relaxation of some permitted development rights. So what's the background here? In 2014, a new agricultural to residential permitted development right, known as Class Q, was introduced. However, despite a flurry of applications for the new right, refusal rates have remained relatively high since its introduction, so they've often sat at around 40%. Indeed, in the most recent quarter of available data, which covers the three months to March 2023, 34% of applications for this PD right were refused, compared to a refusal rate of just 23% for all other permitted development applications. And uh, what exactly does the paper say about how the government might relax the rules further? Because as you say, there have been um, substantial relaxations in the past 10 years or so. So it's a little scant on detail, but the policy paper, which is called Unleashing Rural Opportunity, promises government consultation on making it easier to change redundant agricultural buildings into family homes. It also states that the government plans to launch a consultation shortly on possible changes to permitted development rights, which would support agricultural development and rural diversification. It states that the consultation would look at changes to the current rules in order to make agricultural development more flexible for farmers so that they can amend their existing agricultural buildings to make them more productive without having to go through what they describe as the onerous planning processes to grow the rural economy. Okay, so it's a general statement of willingness and intent but no real indication of what kind of flexibilities might be allowed that aren't aren't currently there. Not as yet, no. 
Does the document say anything else about planning? It does, yes. So it proposes the introduction of a new network of what they describe as rural housing enablers. Again, it gives little detail on who these enablers would likely to be, but it states that the creation of the roles would boost the supply of new affordable housing by identifying development opportunities and would be backed by £2.5 million worth of funding. It also promises measures to unlock more small-scale rural housing sites. The government has also pledged in this document to consider whether there's a need for some more rural-specific planning training for councils. So the government's promised to work with the planning advisory service to consider whether there is a need for more training specifically on the needs of the rural economy. Okay, well, it's something that I'm sure that landowners, farmers and their planning advisors will be um, looking at very carefully to see if there are any new opportunities there and councils in those areas as well. Now, you, over the last few months, have been following the um, Jeremy Clarkson's battles with the planning system fairly closely. And last week, we had a verdict on his appeal against some of the uh, refusals that he's uh, encountered. Tell us a bit more about that. So Clarkson had submitted two appeals to the Planning Inspectorate regarding operations on his Diddley Squat farm, which featured heavily in the second series of his Amazon Prime TV show, which aired earlier this year. The first appeal, which is known as Appeal A, sought to overturn an enforcement notice issued by West Oxfordshire District Council against an alleged unauthorised change of use. The notice claimed that the site, which is made up of both former agricultural land and land with a permitted use as a farm shop, is being used as a mixed agricultural and leisure attraction, comprising a cafe, restaurant, gift and farm shop, parking and lavatory facilities. The second appeal, which is referred to as Appeal B, was against the council's decision to refuse permission for an extension to the car park on the site. Okay, and what was the upshot of all this? So the inspector found that Appeal A could succeed in part only and granted permission for the change of use of the land to mixed use comprising agricultural cafe, farm shop, parking and lavatory facilities, but back to the authorities' refusal to grant permission for the restaurant at the Lowland Barn, the conversion of which is shown in the TV show. The cafe is permitted on just a temporary basis. And then for Appeal B, the inspector again gave permission on a temporary basis for an extension of the car park. So given the very widely publicised complaints that Clarkson has made about the planning system, his criticisms of the system over the past year or so, in what respects does the inspector's verdict support Clarkson's criticisms and in what respects does it not? So the appeal doesn't address all aspects of his criticisms, but it does touch on a couple. So most notably, he's shown in the programme as being critical of the decision to delegate the car park decision and was also critical of an error made in a council report, which mistakenly said that the, the size of the proposed car park was much larger than, in actual fact, the application was proposing. And which the council subsequently said, yes, that error was in the papers, but it wasn't an error of our making. And because we have to present the papers in entirety, if somebody presents something with a with an error of it, it does have to be put in front of the committee, but they were apprised of the fact that that wasn't an accurate bit of information. Is, is, that, is that right? Yes, exactly. And, and commentators told us that it was highly unlikely to have influenced the outcome of that decision. But it was still a, an allegation that he made about the way that his application was treated. Also, having shown to be critical of the high cost of appealing decisions in the programme, presumably Clarkson is reassured that his appeals were at least in part successful. So despite his concerns about the way that the car park application was, um, was handled, somewhat ironically, he's been successful on that one. 
Yes, although only on a temporary basis, of course. Yeah. So for a period of 36 months. I must say, I'd come away from what some of the things that I'd read about this with the impression that he'd dismissed the option of appealing as, as being too expensive. But was that another decision that he decided against appealing? Yes, yes. So that was the initial application, which was for the conversion of the restaurant in the lambing shed and of and the car park, which was bundled into one application at first. And then it's just then subsequently an individual application for the car park extension was submitted, which is the one that has been appealed. But one way or another, he obviously decided there was it was worth spending the um, the amount required to do it. And well, he's had some success, hasn't he? And um, maybe he'll feel that it was um, better value than he uh, than he originally thought. Thank you very much, Sam. And uh, John, can I turn back to you for a summary of some of the other key news stories from the past seven days? Yes, thanks, Richard. Firstly, the government's latest planning application figures show that 16 local authorities in England are sitting below the government's special measures threshold for speed of decision making in the two years up to March 2023, which is nine fewer than in the previous quarter. The figures also show that seven of the 10 authorities that were threatened with special measures designation by the Secretary of State early this year for failing to meet government targets for the speed of their decision-making have reported improvements in their performance, but just two have risen above the actual designation threshold. In other news, the Housing Secretary, Michael Gove, has intervened to modify bids called Article 4 directions by four councils across London and the home counties to disapply a controversial commercial to residential permitted development right in parts of their areas, with the minister claiming that the authorities had not taken a sufficiently targeted approach in their proposals. Next up, we have two high court decisions. A judge has ruled that advice from specialist officers on applications does not need to be presented to council planning committees in full, in dismissing a challenge to a permission granted for a home extension on a site next to a conservation area. In the second ruling, the High Court has quashed a planning inspector's appeal decision to reject plans for a data centre in the Buckinghamshire Greenbelt after the judge identified errors in their decision. Thanks very much, John. And of course, listeners can read more on all of these stories at planningresource.co.uk. Well, I think our work is done. Let's get out before there are any more announcements or decisions. Fantastic. That's another fortnight summarised. Yes, we'll be back with a bonus edition next week. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts and to get a daily bulletin of planning news plus weekly analysis and specialist bulletins, subscribe at planningresource.co.uk. Our thanks to producers Nav Pal from Haymarket Business Media and Daisy Chaku from Rethink, and thanks for listening. See you next week.